Hey, did you know that Glorp Shido dies in the uh, externals? No! No, I, oh, fuck, he's my favorite. I love the yeah. part when he when he turns to the camera and uh, explains that, well, he may have just done something bad. It's because he's a bad guy. But I, I, I really liked how he was morally gray like that. Mm. I liked his Bollywood dance, personally. Oh, no, we're not, folks, we're not reviewing uh, Marvel's internals. Um, nah. We're reviewing a better movie um, because, you know, we figured if we're going to have the podcast in our uh, bio, we may as well make some content for you guys. Um, yeah, I know it's been like a month, but it was exam season. So. Yeah, I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to be holding myself accountable. I, I just, I'm going to be holding myself accountable. It was like both of our faults, really. Yeah, we, it was kind of a month went by and neither one of us were like hey do you want to record because we just kind of assumed the other one was busy which like it was accurate yeah but it was really funny that there was like no podcast talk for probably a month and then we were just chilling like we were sending memes we, we were just we hanging were chatting out. like we were just hanging yeah, this out this is this is not a uh this is not a call her daddy situation um What's it, what happened there oh fuck come on you're telling me you understand the necrosova friedland uh split but you don't understand the uh the call her daddy thing Look, I have room for, like, two fucked-up white girls in my life, and those fucked-up white girls are Dasha Nekrasova and Anna Kachian. All right? So, yeah. I know very well what Adam Freeland did with the Witten girl. I have no idea even who's involved in Call Her Daddy. I think, like, it was just a podcast that, like, it was originally marked as, like, oh, two girls that, like, talk about girl stuff, and then one of them, like, left because of the contracts, so it was like it's the one girl that still runs the show, and I think it's like a I think it got picked up by Barstool, which tells you basically oh. everything you need to know about the content of it. Um, Dave Portnoy, please sponsor our show. I would we will okay. Make content to for be you. honest, being the it would be an incredible bit to be the only left wing podcast on on Barstool. That would that would no that would like it, honestly like, as that we what, always talk about never selling out. If Barstool was like, hey, come work, I'd sell out. I, I would don't have, care. Are you kidding me? I'm cashing those checks. Like, I would, look, if we get approached by Barstool, I'm not selling out any of my morals. Like, I would just love to be the, like, controlled opposition where we just make, like, we just make, like, the harebrained lib takes and everyone gets, and everyone screams at us. We just get, yeah. like, we get daily death threats from, like, slightly overweight guys in Massachusetts that work in, like, in computer engineering and are like yeah all because we uh we would like receive receiving like a bomb in the mail from the boston bruins like fan club <laughs> like it li- like i that is the life i'm prepared to live uh dave portnoy please for money yeah Honestly. no like li- we could literally just do this except go back to doing it twice a week for barstool i would oh are you kidding me i would like that I would, would be that. easy then I easy, like easy, so easy, then easy. that that would be how I'd launch my stand up comedy career, which is just another way of getting screamed at, like being, being a guy at one of those barstool comedy shows. Except I'm up there like doing like, yeah. So the crazy thing about like Trump is that like he's actually like his dick yeah. his like dick's probably small and just getting just getting screamed like everyone's like throwing shit at me like it'd be like that one episode of Letterkenny where they, the stand up comedian comes in and everyone just hates him. Like I would. I would absolutely be controlled opposition at Barstool Sports. Yeah, no, like, easy. Dave Portnoy, I know you're listening. You yeah, he's a big fan of our show. <laughs> friend uh, yeah, of, big, friend big of the fan. show, Dave Portnoy. <laughs> uh, first of all, I didn't hear anything about touching anyone. Second of all, 
give us money. I would like to retract this bit slightly by saying that I had forgotten about the numerous allegations. Um, but the fact that he went on Tucker to clear them uh, basically gives the game away. Means that he did it, yeah. Yeah, because no reasonable viewer would take Tucker Carlson seriously. So why should we and take... you know CNN did that too? Like, yeah, no, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, it's... Um... It, we just love to do two of everything in, in mm. Western culture. We love the excess of having two annoying propaganda outlets instead of just one yeah yeah i mean that's just how it goes the uh, my my favorite thing in is like the the cop stories of um like this hero cop like saved someone and then you know it's just a police report that they're just reprinting or no my favorite one was like some police union or benevolence association or whatever published some picture with some woman cop uh hugging a black girl and being like we found this girl wandering on the streets in the middle of blm riots only we keep kids safe whatever and then like the full story comes out and it was just like some woman who wasn't even part of the protest driving they stopped her ripped her out of her car beat her took her kid posed for that picture and then put the woman in prison yeah i i don't like yeah if you want to get really if you want to get mad at, at everyone's just mad at china because they're better at everything than the than america is including action movies bro i just Um, i watched last night i watched for the second time the wandering earth which is like china's it's only 50 million dollars which is like nothing but it's china's big budget uh sci-fi adventure movie where the it's it's about see now we're getting back into movies right it's about fucking like, the sun is dying, and so they strap a bunch of rocket no, engines to the Earth, a... and they're going to move it to another solar system, and shit goes, like, wrong, like, 70 years in, and they've got to fix it, and it's the coolest thing. It's so good. There's, like, one guy for soy quips. They don't need anyone else. There's, like, one guy who does it, and you're supposed to hate him, and he's Australian, and then oh, yeah. one of the only morals of the movie is actually, no, you're not supposed to be racist towards this guy. Don't be racist to Australians. What? And the other moral of the movie is be nice to your parents. Like, this is awesome! And the fucking, the visuals are incredible. They blow up Jupiter. It's like, oh my god. Speaking, okay, so speaking of the moral of movies being of being nice to your mom, uh, we reviewed Dune, or yeah. we watched it probably a month ago. And we've been meaning to record our review ever since. Dune, your mom? I hate... No, fuck you. That was my... That was your bit. I know, that was your bit. I've just taken it. I've just taken it. Um, But... And this will probably be a longer episode because it's a long-ass movie. Yeah, I mean... The thing with, like... Dune is one of those books where you kind of see someone reading it and it's like a conversation piece just because of how big of a book it is. Yeah. Like, it's it's the one thing that will, like, stand out on any nerd's shelf. Yeah, Ma- Malcolm's holding their copy up right now, and it's, like, roughly the size of a brick. Yeah. Uh, you know, a brick, you can really put some force into it. Yeah. You can't throw um, it, it's too heavy. Um, but overall, I mean, people, people were mad that they, like, were advertising the movie with Zendaya a lot, and that she was in it for, like, 15 minutes, and most of it is dream sequences. Like wet dream sequences. Yeah, right? well, we were gonna get to that, but yeah, um, it's you know, I from what I hear, I I have not read Dune. Uh, I gather that Malcolm has um, several times. 
that Zendaya's character will be a much bigger character in the next movie, which covers the back half of the first book. Yeah, and also I think Villeneuve has specifically said I'm gonna make her like the main character, which is kind of cool. It's an interesting departure from. Uh, I mean, Denis Villeneuve just he he kills it every time. Honestly, I it's there's a lot of directors where you can kind of think like, okay, that was a bad movie that they had, but really like. Off the top of my head, I can't think of like a bad Denis Villeneuve movie. Yeah, I mean, what what's what are his fame? I'm sure he's got some, but like, what are his famous movies? Like, like Blade Doom, Runner twenty forty nine, Arrival, uh, which people Anson don't D. people people didn't really like. Obviously, it's a Blade Runner sequel. It's never gonna live up to Blade Runner. Um, and then yeah, Arrival, Sicario, when, fucking rules. Yeah, we that talked about that on so the podcast. Good. That was a great um, movie. Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal, fantastic film. Well, I, I think I think if I, given my recent conduct on Twitter, the less I talk about Jake Gyllenhaal, the better, especially in a positive light. Um, the Swifties are at my throat, um, but but the movie was good. Yeah, so like I'm a I'm a big Villeneuve enjoyer. Um, Sicario was like the first sort of movie that I watched, and then I watched again later and was like, oh, that's what it was about. Yeah. It's not just, oh, look at this cool girl boss cop doing shit. It's like, oh, she was basically a patsy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, just all around fantastic record. I mean, what else you got? Like, Anson um Prisoners. Uh, yeah, just Villeneuve, we love you. Come and on, I know Juno. This is like, come on, Juno. Come on, Juno. I know this is like a normal take among people who actually like movies. That Villeneuve is great. I know, like the Marvel people hate him. The Marvel, because he, because it, it's a cycle of every four months. There's a an acclaimed director that goes. I think Marvel movies like are should be considered different from other movies. Like they're like mass culture. They're not cinema, which they're never True. wrong about. I mean, it was Scorsese, then it was Villeneuve. Like any direct ge- sort of genius director you can think of has probably said somewhere in an interview that Marvel movies are, like, not good. Ridley every, Scott. Every single time, people get incredibly mad at whatever director it is and be like, oh, well, uh, all your movies suck anyway. Ridley Scott was the only one who fucked it up, though, because he mentioned the word cell phones. Right, he did it in, like, an annoying boomer way. No, 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 because he was right. He was right. You know what? This is my hell that I'll die in, is that he was 100% right. Because he was specifically talking about The Last Duel. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I have not seen it. Um, is that the one? Long. Is that the one with? Does it have Adam Driver? It's got Adam Driver, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Jodie Comer. Um, it's fantastic. But basically, what it is, right, is it's a historical fiction um, about one of the last legal duels in France. So, like a trial by combat, in a sense. And um, Matt Damon's character accuses Adam Driver's character of raping his wife Jodie Comer and then they have a duel about it and Matt Damon wins like that's the plot but what they do is they tell the story from three different perspectives they tell it first from Matt Damon's perspective then from Adam Driver's perspective and then from Jodie Comer like the wife's perspective and then they show the duel and then you come out of it being like wow that was a really interesting and thoughtful movie about women and uh how women are treated and accusations about men and stuff like that and it's a fantastic film but it's also like three hours long and you watch the same story three times. Yeah. And so I actually think that Ridley Scott is right in the sense that everyone is like totally ephemeral pilled. It's social media. It's 
Marvel movies, like, everyone wants their, like, 30-second dopamine rush that they forget about 10 minutes later. Um, right, like, I like, can guarantee oh, shit. you that... The, the guy came out of nowhere and, and hit the hit the villain when he's standing there. And from what I gather, The Last Duel is not that kind of movie. No, it's not. But even, like, social media, right? Like, I'm sure you found some memes on Instagram pretty funny today. But if I asked you to describe five of them, you probably couldn't. Right? <laughs> no, like, there's no that's, We're so, like, ephemeral-pilled. And so I think that Ridley Scott is absolutely right that it's actually affected our abilities to sit still and think for three hours. Um, and... I think that Dune is a better movie than The Last Duel because it's actually effective at making you do that. Whereas Last Duel actually requires a bit of effort. And it's, like, it's not like I don't want to put an effort to see a movie. I love The Last Duel. But uh, I think that, uh, first of all, Ridley Scott was right. And second of all, Dune is a better movie. And the thing is, you can you can do that sort of, yeah, ephemera pill, like dopamine rush after dopamine rush kind of movie making and have it be good and, like, tolerable. Like, yeah you know if you if you find it's it's kind of like fast food where if you find the right combination of all these like you know sugar salt carbs like if you find the right combination of all those little elements you can make something that is like perfectly smooth goes down like is 100 percent processed and yet is still good or suicide squad right is the is the mcdonald's of of quippy movies uh, it, of quippy action movies and something like i don't know avengers age of ultron is a burger king where they fuck up the ratios and it doesn't taste good mm-hmm. um, yeah. we are now sponsored by mcdonald's um use use code juno for a, a free oreo mcflurry i'm uh, more of a harvey's fan myself um but yeah like i also want to note that ridley scott so have you seen alien yeah i've seen the first so you know, like, like the, the, it, just the first one Good, that's the only one that's worth seeing, um, in my opinion. So, uh, all of those, like, fucked up spooky visuals from the planet. Here's a fun fact. Ridley Scott was going to make Dune, and he contracted uh, the the artist. Now I'm forgetting his name, even though I love him. I did a whole project about him once, and I'm just fucking up because we're on air. Uh, to do, like, to make all these visuals for Dune. And then he didn't want to film in Mexico City. And so he's like, no, we're making something else. And so all of that stuff turned into Alien. That's the fact that he's like, no, I just, I mean, like... That, Jared Geiger, JJ, yeah. That's the thing that, like, yeah, why don't you want to film in Mexico City, dude? Like, there are legitimate criticisms you can have of Ridley Scott. Um, oh, he's, he's racist. No, he's, he's, like, actually racist. He's one of those, like, oh, you can't really, you can't have black people in your in your sci-fi. It's not realistic. Not, not that, but specifically when he made Prince of Egypt, which is, like, a terrible movie, he specifically was like, no, I, only, I cast white actors as Egyptians because nobody's going to recognize any Arabs. No one wants... He specifically says, and I quote here, no one's going to come to a movie with Muhammad so-and-so. Oh, no, like, he's a racist guy, yeah. but he was just right about The Last Duel. Anyways, let's get into Dune. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I guess we, we did kind of blow a decent segue there. But anyway... Um, I know, there was such a good segue. It doesn't matter. But the so, movie was, from what, I mean, from what I gather, not the book. Yeah, very much not the book. Um, not in a sense that, like... It was a completely different story. If you want something that's a completely different story from the book, go watch David Lynch's Dune, which is not a good movie, and that's a hill I will die on. I know people have a soft spot for it, but it's not. It's just explaining things for two hours. Um, The movie took a bunch of stuff out of the book. Uh, And by the way, at this point, we're slapping a spoiler warning on the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, If you haven't seen it, go watch it, come back. 
so yeah, in the book, right, like there's all sorts of stuff. Um, I know they have like a whole two acts before they're betrayed. Um, and actually in the book, I mean, the book's just huge, right? So they have a lot more before they're betrayed and also a lot more just wandering in the desert alone between uh, Paul and Jessica. Um, but, you know, so for example, there's a lot more of Yue, the guy who, the doctor who betrays them. Um, he gets so much character because there's this whole thing where he's like a doctor and like a, a souk doctor and they're specifically like coded so that they're not allowed to betray their masters and so it's always like how did they break him it's impossible there's more about his I wife think, and by the I way i think i think it's actually um it's not in the movie but they describe the process of uh, buck breaking in the book um to get this doctor sort of on their side uh, there's a very graphic uh 40 page uh, description of how they managed to break him uh go go look that up uh for you folks at home jesus christ <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, look, all it was was this person of color doctor rebelling against his, uh, white feudal overlords. Can't blame him. Um, the, so yeah, like, there's this whole thing about, like, his wife. Like, he mentions his wife in the movie, right, after he betrays Leto, but there is so much extra content about his relation, like, that was even filmed and is just on the cutting room floor, uh, about his relationship with the family, about his wife, about that fucked up spider, maybe, that we saw. Um, with human hands and a human head that understood English um, and stuff like that. Like, there's a whole gender aspect that we don't really get um, like, about, like, the Bene Gesserit, who are, like, my favorite thing about that universe. They're so cool. Um, they're just girl bosses. They're literally just eugenics girl bosses. Wait. Uh, when I say favorite, I don't mean I'm cheering for them, by the way. Sympathy for the villain. Um, uh, all right, all right. I'll be I'll be holding you accountable for that for that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever, man. Uh yeah. so yeah, for example, like there's this whole thing where the the Harkonnens before they come back cuz it's like a year that they're on Arrakis before the Harkonnens come back in the book. Uh have this whole thing where they're trying to undermine uh Leto's trust in Jessica and he has to like pretend to go along with it and whatever. Um and there's like serious like they pin it when they betray when Yue betrays the uh, the Atreides, it's all pinned on Jessica, which will actually become an issue in the second half of the book. So I don't know how they're going to do that. Uh, they might just cut it all together, which would be okay. But like, so there's like worlds of extra right. stuff. I to think, this and this I book. think Denis Villeneuve did, in my opinion. I mean, I saw a lot of people that were like, "What the fuck?" Like, it's just walking around for two and a half hours. I didn't get it, and like, I un- I partially understand but i think villeneuve did a very good job of knowing what to cut i mean from what i've heard there's mm-hmm. about an hour of like fully finished footage that he just said no like we're not putting in this movie yeah um which i think is probably a good thing like i would watch a three-hour version but i think it's good that we watch it's the like two it's like yeah it first. would you know a, a villeneuve cut of dune would be good yeah but i don't think that it would have done nearly as well if it was like, okay, you know, here's, here's a... this four hour movie. Here's this Snyder cut length movie. That's actually good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And it's true. I think that the reason why people got mad about it being like, Oh, it's just walking around is because so much of this movie, first of all, like they put some of the action sequences, the very few action sequences in the trailer, like obviously, but also everyone's like, Oh my God, the visuals of this movie are incredible. 
And then when people nowadays hear incredible visuals, they think, oh, space battle, space battle, big worm, right? Whatever, right? Like, they're going to be like, oh, it's I action. Think, no, the visual, when you praise the visuals of Dune, it's like, oh, that palace looked sick to, sick as fuck. Or Here's this very slow, pondering, establishing shot. The, the architecture of this, like, spice extraction thing is, like, cool to look at. It's not, oh, my God, look at the CGI. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, it, God, it, it is, CGI, but, but it's not, like, look at the flashy colors. Yeah. Yeah, it's... no, Villeneuve, like, he's a guy who knows how to do sort of toned-down visual, in a sense. Like, with Arrival, that's one of my favorite... Without, it's, like, without the sort of bullshit of, like, toned-down visuals, meaning throwing a, uh, uh, like, decontrasting filter on and just, like, calling it a day. Yeah, like, Villeneuve, it's, it's impressive that he's, he does it, and it's sort of minimalistic, but it's not. Like, he's got these incredible visuals but they're only what they need to be right it's not like michael bay where there's ten thousand moving parts in every shot which is by the way technically impressive i actually have a lot of respect for michael bay oh no michael bay is to directors as adam sandler is to like writing like he knows exactly what's gonna sell and he just can make a movie that is gonna make an insane amount of money that like is going to make money there's that like i don't really care about that but i just more mean like visually he has an incredible grasp of a scene in the sense like the first Transformers movie to me I still have a soft spot for it because it still looks incredible it's it's, it's impressive raw propaganda well there's that but also just even the, the CGI again like 10,000 moving parts that is so hard to do as a director and he did it and that impresses me anyways um whereas like so like with Arrival right their spaceship was just a big spoon yeah but it was massive it was huge. The aliens, you never saw the whole alien at once, but you still got the sense of scale. And it's the same thing with Blade Runner, the same thing with uh, the very few CG sequences we get in, like, Enemy, and the same thing with Dune. He shows what he needs to show, which is incredible, and nothing more. Uh, and I really, I, I really, really respect that because it's so easy to go over the top with Dune, like David Lynch did. Um, and now that wasn't really his movie, but... And so, yeah, like, oh, go ahead. uh, I mean, I was just going to say, like, this movie being a commercial success, getting a theatrical release is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, Like, the budget was, it says here, 165 million. 165, and it's already grossed 374 million worldwide, which is, considering it was a pandemic movie, I mean, I think um, the last pandemic, like, pandemic recent movie that we reviewed was tenet yeah um which was partially a symptom of christopher nolan insisting on the theatrical release mm-hmm. and then eventually having to be sort of negotiated towards all right well we'll put it on streaming because no fucking theaters are open yeah i don't count suicide squad as a pandemic movie because it was in the summer when we all thought it was kind of over yeah <laughs> um but yeah no like tenet was very much because this was supposed to come out last year yeah and they were like, no, I want to wait until... It was supposed to come out right before everyone kind of started ignoring Timothy Chalamet again. Yeah. Like, it was supposed to... Ca- I don't want to this say it was supposed to capitalize, but it was like... I mean, it. it's fair that it has. I mean, it, he's, he's obviously oh, yeah. a good actor, and he's got the... Uh, the he's in, he's in the He's in the rotation of uh, White Boy of the Month. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, like... Well, that's the thing. Like, 
at the awards, he should... I don't know if he should win. I think Dev Patel should win for Green Knight, but he should be nominated for sure for, for Best Actor. Yeah. And I think, like, this film should sweep the technical awards. This film there, should... There, like, there wasn't anything released this year that actually, like, in terms of just visuals, looks the same. I mean... Not the same. Like, Green Knight, actually. I, I, again, Green Knight was another incredible movie from this year that should be nominated for visuals. I just don't know if it should be too. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, like, there's that. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, best actress or best supporting actress, like, easily. And um, Oscar Isaac, best supporting actor for sure. Like, this is just an incredible movie. Villeneuve, best director. Um, like... I mean, Oscar Oscar Isaac is a fucking baller too. Like he he absolutely kills it as Leto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let well let's talk about the plot, uh, and then let's talk about why Marvel movies hate this this movie, and then let's talk about like why it was good. Um, I mean, it, so it starts with um, it's I don't know if it's the very first shot. I think we get exposition on Spice before, but the first sort of l- scene with characters interacting with each other is. Um, House Atreides receiving I guess fiefdom or ownership of the desert planet of Arrakis. Well it's actually you'll like this. So it starts with a bunch of Fremen, sort of right indigenous kind of Arab inhabitants of... of, uh, They're supposed to be the Bedouin, right? They're kind of Bedouin or they're kind of the people that Lawrence of Arabia was hanging out with. Yeah. Um, Just guys guys in the desert. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're like, oh, my planet Arrakis is so beautiful, but the outsiders ravage our lands. These Harkonnens, they're super evil, and they show, uh, a, I don't know, like, whatever, terrorist attack or, like, resistance action against spice harvesting. Uh, and then they escape, and we see it's Zendaya, who's one of the characters. And then she's like, and then the Emperor just decided that they were gone. We couldn't liberate our planet, but the Emperor's told them to leave. And it's get, going to someone else. Uh, why did the Emperor do this? Who is our next oppressor going to be? And then it cuts to fall. And then they get the planet. Then yeah, then it's the uh, the handover ceremony, which is sort of, I think they really kind of play up just sort of the level of imperial bullshit in terms of like you know everyone's in their huge like uniforms and they have these massive armies and they start chanting Atreides as soon as they take as soon as they're like granted the the fiefdom and so it's like you're you're kind of getting the sense that okay well there's been some sort of transfer of power but there's it's very much ceremonial and it doesn't really you get the sense almost right away that like these are just two ruling imperial families there's no sort of change going on yeah well it's almost it's almost it's almost a changing of the guard ceremony more than anything else i think well we'll get to it but i have some opinions about it and maybe it's just because uh of my cultural sympathies and uh, the way that the Atreides were portrayed in this film. But anyways, um, so yeah, we also see right before that, um, Paul, there's Paul, who's the main character, Timothy Chalamet, right? And he's got his mom, Rebecca Ferguson, Lady Jessica. She's part of the Bene Gesserit, which is, uh, they're kind the, of like the aforementioned, the aforementioned, uh, the aforementioned, like eugenics girl boss cult. They're like, Illuminati eugenics nuns, um, and but also specifically, so this this universe is all about transhumanism. There are no computers; people do everything. And the Bene Gesserit have trained themselves, first of all, to be completely con- in control of their minds, but 
but second of all to be somewhat in control of other people's minds, not only by shifting imperial policy from behind the scenes, but also by having a thing called the voice, whereby you gain a perfect register to uh, hypnotize somebody. Um, and Jessica is training Paul to do it. He's not very good at it, but he, he can do it somewhat. Um, there's there's a scene where they're flying in, like, you know, uh, some sort of transport, and they manage to hypnotize their guards and escape. That's Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to right, that. Right, but that's... It's, it's sick. Sort that's of, one of my favorite scenes. Basically, you just... There's... In the context of the movie, it's just a... Uh, you get, like, a sort of reverb and echo of the vo- of the voice, and it's like, oh, they were saying that in the voice, and they the guy's hypnotized. Yeah, because in the book, it's like there's one for each person, right? Like, you have to figure out the person before you can do the voice, which is much cooler, but, like, how can you put that on screen? Yeah, and right? y- and it, it also would make it really sort of hard to portray. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't put... So just making it be like, give me the water. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Um, so, yeah, they get the planet, uh, and then they, they prep for it. Paul is, like, moping. He's emo. Uh, he's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to be in charge. And his dad later was like, you're going to have to be in charge, but if you don't want to be, you're going to be my son anyways, because Leto's a good guy. Yeah, um, he rocks. But, you know, Paul is being trained by everybody, right? He's being trained by his mom in Bene Gesserit skills. He's being trained by uh, the top soldiers in, like, combat skills. He's being trained by uh, the Mentat Thufur Hawat, who's, like, a math guy. He's, like, an, a human calculator to do human calculations. Uh, and yeah, um, I just so he, I just love the fact that the like the head soldier played by Jason Momoa, his name is Duncan Idaho. That's just such like. Look, if there's a Denzel Washington, we can have a Duncan Idaho. No, but I mean, in in this universe, how it's like, you know, you've got house like this planet of Arrakis, and you know, people's titles being stuff like Padisha Emperor should not, you know, like. You, and all this esoteric stuff, and then you just have one guy named Duncan Idaho. <laughs> well, you've also got another guy named Paul. Yeah, yeah, the main character. But he at, at least he has a cool, like, almost sci-fi last name, Atreides. Yeah, Atreides right? is sick. But That's just sick being name. named Duncan Idaho is a, just a phenomenal choice on Frank Herbert's part. Uh, no, for sure. I, I like, agree. it's just, it's so fucking good. Yeah, um, and so we also learn, for example, that there's actually a good in-universe uh, explanation for it being a sci-fi with everyone using swords, which is that shields only let slow things through, so you can't use bullets. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Paul is getting, like, kind of made into a, a very competent superhuman. He wants um, to be... He's basically, yeah, just... It's, like you said, it's transhumanism in the sort of... We're just going to make humanity better, which mm-hmm. is... Sounds sort of weird now that I'm saying it out loud, but um, it definitely is an interesting sort of sci-fi take where you don't have a lot. You don't have a lot of technology, really. I mean, I think the most that we see is the the ornithopters that just kind of fly like dragonflies. Yeah, and also and like interstellar travel. And yeah, like faster than light travel, but that's also based on the spice more than anything else. That's not sort of well, based spice... on computers. So the spice is specifically... Or did, or did I did I misunderstand that? Yeah, but it's okay. Um, it, they don't really explain it. Uh, this is just the book explanation. So the spice is not needed by, like, engines or anything. The spice is needed by navigators, right? Because spice is important because it is... Uh, it, it keeps you alive, like, it, it's life-extending, but also it ups your abilities. Um, 
So so it would make me better at CS:GO if I got on Spider-Man. Yeah, it would make you better at CS:GO. So if that's so your are thing. we are we saying that it's like in you like in real life it would be Salvia? In real life, it's like Addies. Oh, let's go. Okay. It's like when you take an Addy. So it's just it's just Adderall. Yeah. So like the guild navigators who you you'd never see, um, and you're not allowed to see specifically because they're like they like they're fucked up, um, have a very minor form of prescience, and they need spice to get that, and that's how they navigate. Um, so, so it's just like it's just like support. me trying to write an essay. It's it's the exact yeah, same thing. Exactly, and also spice is if you stop taking it, it's po- like it starts to poison you. You get like withdrawals, and so it's like completely necessary to the universe's economy. Um, so then we see uh, the bad guys, the Harkonnens, who are the guys who were in charge before the Fremen hate, and they're like, "I'm pissed off that they're taking my shit. The Emperor just gave my shit to the Atreides, and we're not getting anything from it." Um, and so we see uh, Vladimir Harkonnen, who's like the big bad guy. Um, played by Stellan Skarsgård, as although we also get Dave Bautista as the Beast Ravan, um, and that's uh, Dave su- is... that's such a f- like amaze. That's such an amazing casting choice. Yeah, well, he casting was happy a... about it too. Well, yeah, and casting a former WWE guy in that role was so fucking good. I mean, yeah, so I'll tell he, you, he, about he kills it. Like he as kills far it. as as far as former WWE stars transitioning into like other forms of acting, I gotta say. Dwayne the Rock Johnson for consistency gonna put him above David Batista, but come on. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. Um, so yeah, there's uh, and then there's also um, uh, David David Dust Melchian as like a creepy mantad assassin guy. Um, so yeah, like the Beast Raban is kind of like the second, uh, and he just gets angry a lot, and he's absolutely brutal. But Harkonnen is like Vladimir Harkonnen is. First of all, grotesquely fat to the point where every time you see him, his stomach comes into scene before he does. Uh, and he's got, like, little anti-gravity repulsors to float around because he can't even walk. Um, like, totally grotesque guy. And he's he, like, we're going to take it back. Like He's a Stanchera em- kind of guy. Yeah. So the Emperor has actually not just given the Atreides Cal- uh, um, Arrakis. He's basically set them up for a war, and he's going to back the uh the Harkonnen in it um so Atreides goes to Arrakis uh there's an excellent landing scene where it is they play the bagpipes and everything like they're British I I remember I remember like seeing that scene and then watching your face like I get that it when I when we watched it it was like the fourth time you've seen it you were yeah. still just absolutely soy facing at the bagpipe I was I was soy first of all it was sick no I'm not I'm not saying it yeah. was sick I'm saying it was it's so funny to see, oh my god, they're bringing out British military tradition in Dune. They just, they understand. They understand that this it's also Lawrence Arabia. This was a movie exactly for you. No, like literally, this was a movie for me. Um, so yeah, they arrive in Arrakis. They're like, yeah, but this is this is what I mean, right? Like, and I'll talk about this later, but like, they're British in the sense that like, they're also fucked up imperialists. They're just like, oh, well, these guys are like, more benevolent liberals. Yeah. Right? They're they're the they're the liberal imperialists. As opposed to the absolutely brutal Ottoman like Harkonnens. You can read you can read this movie specifically cuz you you read the the book and it's it's hard for a book written in what 65 to be an allegory for the Iraq war. You can absolutely see this like or the war in Afghanistan. You can absolutely see this 
movie as a sort of condemnation of forever war in a way that i don't think the book you can't really read it as such i don't think frank herbert was very much anti-war i think i don't know i don't know what his politics were he likes ecology um yeah he's just you know what and if you're just a trees guy that's entirely valid yeah no for sure for sure like rachel carson um but uh yeah i mean like there's even a part soon where there's a, a character who we've yet to meet who's basically like look I've seen, talks to the Duke, she's like, I've seen men like you come and go, and it never works. Um, yeah, I'm, but, I, but I'm a good liberal leader, so I will, yeah. surely everyone will love me. Yeah, so they arrive on Arrakis, um, where Duncan Idaho is being, like, Hell talking yeah. to the Fremen. Let's go. Uh, they meet the chief Fremen, and they come to a kind of an agreement. Um, Leto's like, look, I'm not going to come find your civilization, I'm not going to hunt you. I'm just gonna harvest my spice and go. Like, let me be, let me be extractive, and we're chill. And they're like, "All right, fair enough." Um, and they uh, they part ways. And Leto's like, "I'm gonna make an alliance with this guy." He's a deals um, guy. He's a deals guy. He's like, "I'm gonna be friendly to the natives. I'm gonna be the first guy to do it." Yeah. Then they meet. And, yeah. And, and I will be friendly to them, and I will include them with the the benefits of my resource extraction. And that will make them love me. That's his. That's his play. That's his strategy. Yeah, and then Stalker's like, "That's not gonna work." And then he's like, "Well, we'll figure it out, and we're just gonna be friends." <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll just we'll be friendly to them. We'll let them in. We'll cut them in on some of this. We're still basically tearing this planet apart. Um, but you know what? We'll we'll include them so they yeah. won't be mad. But like, even if it's like, oh, we're not. They don't want to be part of extraction because he like he, he specifically like, look, there is nothing you can offer us. But he's like, we're going to figure out a way to be friends with them. Like, it's going to take time, but we'll figure it out. And it's like, fair enough, right? Also, from the beginning of the movie, Paul has been having premonitions uh, of the future. Um, he sees bad things. He sees dead people. Which is terrifying to him, obviously. Well, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. If I was... I mean, I, without elaborating, if I was... I wouldn't view all of Paul's dreams as a problem. No, 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 no. Not all of them are bad. One of the main things he sees is uh, horny visions of Zendaya, who we know is a real person. I was going to leave that unsaid, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess I kind of exposed you there. That's my bad. I shouldn't have said anything. Uh, But yeah, so they go out to to see a spice harvester in action, but it's been sabotaged and gets eaten by a sandworm. In the rescue effort to get all the people off of it, Paul gets exposed to a lot of spice and has very intense premonitions. Um... But he survives, obviously. But we see a worm. We see a worm eat the spice uh, harvester. We get, you know, the poem, you know, bless the maker and his water, bless the coming and going of him, all that. It rocks. Um, and I really, I really, one of my favorite scenes, I, so the thing with this movie and the thing that makes, that leads me to believe that, that leads me to at least understand why people might not like this movie is I am very easily pleased when it comes to movies. I find it very hard for a movie to leave, like, a bad impression. Mm. So I really loved the, like, even though I didn't fully get what was going on in the whole scene where uh, Paul puts his hand in the thing and he has to keep it there and it's super, super painful. And then uh, Lady Jessica is, like, repeating that, like, fear thing. Right. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Right. So, so... But I love that. Just like the monologue is cool. I get that it's from the book already. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, it's incredibly well done because she's just outside of this room where 
her son is undergoing this like excru- she knows he's in excruciating pain and she knows that his life is on the line if he fails yeah and she's just sitting outside like basically saying affirmations to herself right so i actually want to talk about this because it's actually really important to the plot right so before they they leave um to go to arrakis paul meets with like the top bene Gesserit, and she's like wow you're kind of special put your hand in this box and so he puts his hand in the box and he's like what's in the box he's like it's gonna hurt but if you take your hand out of the box i'm gonna kill you and she puts you know a poison needle on his neck and everything and it really hurts and she tells him like an animal caught in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to survive. What will you do? Of course, in the book, the quote is actually an animal caught in a trap will gnaw off its own leg to survive. And then something like, but a human caught in a trap will wait until a hunter shows up to land a killing blow. Um, and then, uh, you know, yeah, Paul survives. But yeah, so Jessica's like outside of that room freaking out because she just, yeah, put her son into a situation where he might well die. And she gets this quote, which is like, it's called the Benedictine Creed. And it's, uh, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Which, yeah, first of all, it's a sick affirmation. Second of all, yeah, the Ben and Jasper are, like, totally in charge of their own emotions. And it's an incredible piece of acting by Rebecca Ferguson, who's like, yeah, she starts out, like, crying and sniveling and whatever and freaking out. And then by the time she's done that creed, she's just, like, fine. Um, and then shortly after that, we learn that, um, the Bene Gesserit, their plan is essentially to create God. They want to create, like, a, a mind so powerful that it can transcend space and time. And that Paul might well be that mind. So anyways, back to the, uh, the thing. Yeah, they see the worm, worm meets the thing, uh, Paul's exposed to spice and he gets intense premonitions. Then the Harkonnens try and kill him, it doesn't work, um... And then they're betrayed. Uh, Dr. Yue betrays them. Leto uh, dies, although he almost gets the Baron. He, he like, sets he sets off some, like, like the doctor comes back to him and is basically like, I'm very, very sorry. Um, here is something that, it's a, it's a tooth, right, that he can bite down on yeah. and that it'll explode. It's like the Nazi cyanide tooth. Right. It's it, the idea, yeah, but the idea is to take down the Baron with him. Uh, this does not work, and so... But it kills a bunch of people, yeah, including, it kills a... including David Osmolchin's character. So, and and the Harkonnens take over, um, and, yeah, Leto dies, and then Timothy Chalamet and his mom are on the run. I want to add, I want to add specifically... Of, the rest of the movie just becomes listening to your mom simulator. Literally. Well, even beforehand, too. But um, I want to add that often in movies when someone betrays someone else, you're like... I'm sorry, I didn't want to do this. But with UA, even though we get, like, nothing, it's believable. And because of that plot point, which obviously it's not Villeneuve, it's, uh, it's Herbert who did that. But even so, like, it actually seems like he didn't want to do it, even though we don't get that characterization, because he's like, no, please kill this guy too. Which is, like, fair enough. Yeah. Um, UA also dies. Um, but yeah, so Jessica and Paul, uh, they're specifically Har- Baron Harkonnen promises the Bene Gesserit, who can tell if you're lying, that he's not going to kill them. Uh, and so their plan is to just dump them in the desert and let the worms do it. Uh, but while they're in the ornithopter, yeah, Paul uses the voice to uh, not do anything special. The only thing he uses the voice for is to get one of them to take the duct tape off of his mom's mouth. And then she uses the voice, and she's like, you know, kill that guy, 
untie me, give me your knife, and then she kills him. She just, like, fucking kills everyone in the helicopter. Um, by by speaking affirmations. But, well, she also, like, okay, she also stabs a guy and splits another guy's throat. Yeah. No, they're, they're the girl boss eugenics Illuminati. I love her. I love her. I love her. And then, but it's one of my favorite things in the movie is that when she then goes to untie Paul, she's like, your pitch is too forced as she's doing that. And it's like, this is the most believable mother in television or movies. That was the most mother moment. Like, come on. Like, you're in the, you just killed a bunch of people. You're about to land in the desert. You're tied up and you're like, no, you got to do this better. I'm going to give you a lesson. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, it was so believable. I love that. Um, But they find that UA has left them a bunch of stuff to survive, including a tent. They go into the tent. Um, and Paul fucking freaks out. There's spice in the tent. He freaks out. Uh, he gets all these visions of, like, he says a holy war. In the book, it's jihad, but I know that's got bad political implications now. Although I think they should have kept it. Um, spreading across the galaxy in his name and his father's name. You know, genocide in his name. A religion, uh, of the Atreides and all this. And he's like, I don't want this. He freaks out on his mom because he's like, your Bene Gesserit did this to me. Uh, and then they hug I it just out. wanted I just wanted to grill for God's sake. Yeah, and then they hug it out and it's you know but like Paul is now seeing possibilities. Yeah. And potential futures. And he doesn't want them. Like rightly so. Like we yeah. see piles of burning bodies and whatever. He's like, I don't want th-. but that and that's the thing, it's out of his hands. It's literally but from the moment he's born, that's not his choice. Well, we'll see choices that he has later on. Right, but, but as it's presented in the movie, he's like, oh, well, this is the life that I have ahead of me, is either being on the run or having to rule, and he doesn't want either one. Yeah. So the Baron gives Arrakis to Dave Batista, who we see as absolutely brutal by performing a somehow still PG-13 uh, execution on a bunch of Atreides prisoners. And by the way, the Emperor has given over... Um, like a bunch of his own troops, his cult troops, the Sardaukar, to help the uh, the Harkonnens establish control, um, which is really unfair. Uh, there's specifically a scene where the Atreides are like fighting Harkonnen troops when the battle's going on and they're like winning, and then a bunch of Sardaukar just come out of the sky behind and them. And you're like, okay, that's and 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 right away it's like, okay, well we know how this fight is going down, like. And it's like this is just bullshit. Like it's so mean, but also we get one last triumphant bagpipe. Uh, as the uh, as the Her- as the Atreides fall. Yeah, he the guy is still going on his bagpipes, which again is realistic. It's, it's so good. It's so British. Nobody loves a desperate and ultimately futile last stand more than the British. <laughs> they they right? got the one victory at Agincourt. Um, and no, no, riding, listen, you got Agincourt, no, and they've been riding off of that. And, and they got Agincourt. Like, oh, got they don't Tracy. need to win. They don't need to win other battles. They love to just have. No, yeah, no, no, here's no, no, an no. officer that brought all his men out here, and they all died, but they were very noble while doing it. Yeah, well, there's that. Okay, because there's Agincourt, right? And in the same way, there's Clécy. You've got the Charge of the Light Brigade in the Crimean War. You've got uh, Isand Luana and Rourke's Drift. Uh, you've got the fucking legendary guy from World War II at uh, Arnhem who's, like, out of ammunition, God save the king, right? Like, there's so—they just—they love doing that. I just hope our listener right now is just opening up different, like eight different Wikipedia tabs, and has paused the episode and is now going through and saying, "Oh yeah, well that battle, 
Oh, yeah, that. That battle. Forgot that. That yeah. battle. Yeah. Like, they just love doing it. They're total... Like, it's always a joke. Like, the British Empire only needs... To, only ever wins one battle the last one. And it's like, that's the thing. They will lose, and they will lose, and they will lose. But they will lose in such a strategic way that when they finally build up to land the killing blow, you just get fucking destroyed, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's all British cope. That is cope. No! When was the last time... Like... Britain now, like, loses wars. Because of just Britain. But the British yeah. Empire... Did not the lose fact wars. That they were like one of the only countries to follow the U.S. into Afghanistan is very funny. Well, and they They're got like, fucked over on that one. Too. Yeah, but they they in Iraq, everyone followed into Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, Britain, like obviously they won the Falklands War, which is great, and that was a hard war to win. But like, apart from that, they no, didn't really the win fuck, anymore. it wasn't. Okay, yes, it was, bro. It was like twenty kilometers away from Argentina and like two thousand away from Britain. Even the Americans were like, this can't be done, and they did it. Okay. We're anyways, not... anyways, 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 anyways. <laughs> but that's I think... the thing. Like, the British Empire did not lose wars, but so it's not cool. But, but the, it the thing matter. with this, this movie is sort of, like, in the series, a lot of people read it as a sort of metaphor for how imperialism is futile and how it's, it's all the same, that it will, it's just a sort of nonstop cycle. Um, and I would be inclined to agree with that, with regards to this movie, but I think there's a lot more in the books. I think the movie is pretty obvious, like in terms of what it covers that it's like, okay, this is about how sure the Harkonnens may have said, Oh sure. We'll turn over power to the, the Atreides and it'll, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll get what we want. And then they just come back. And but, the emperor helps them. Right. And the emperor helps them. But at the end of the day, it's an imperial struggle between two imperial powers, and then the yeah. indigenous people on Arrakis are just kind of there. Well, it's and that's assumed, where we get into that now. It's just assumed that they'll go along with the extraction, and it's that, oh, well, wouldn't you rather have, like, the guys who feel bad about doing bad things to the indigenous people rather well, than the guys who just do it without without care? It's a bit more nuanced than that, and then it's like, well, it's either going to be the guys who are, like, literally going to slaughter you, Right, because there's a point at which, you know, when they get Arrakis back, Baron Harkonnen says to Beast Band, like, literally, like, do a genocide on the Fremen. Um, and so you either get the chance between being slaughtered or being forced to go along with it under the Atreides. Like, that's your, that's your liberal imperialist. Um, and now we get, it's even worse, because, so now, yeah, Paul and Jessica are on the run. Uh, they meet with uh, Dr. Liet Kynes, who is, like, an imperial ecologist. She was there when the worm ate the spice harvest or whatever and she helps them um gets them still suits uh and duncan idaho dies uh and so does kinds um although she lures a sandworm and gets eaten by it so that's cool um uh, so paul and jessica escape in an ornithopter which then breaks and crashes um but paul's specifically now getting visions of this famine guy who's like i'm gonna be your best friend i'm gonna show you how to do everything we're gonna be chill right um, and then Paul and Jessica spend about half an hour just walk, walking across the desert, running away from sandworms. They eventually find the Fremen, including this friend guy, including Zendaya, and including the leader of the Fremen who we met before. Uh, and the friend guy's like, nah, I'm not having them. We should just run them down and take their water because there's nothing they can offer us beyond the water in their bodies. Uh, and, uh... Then Paul has a duel with him and kills him, like, easily. Um, 
and well it's not it's not it's it's like easily because he's just overpowered but he doesn't know it's the classic he doesn't know the extent of his power well it's not even that it's like he just doesn't want to do it and that's because like so this is where it's kind of interesting and you don't really see this actually as much in the book that it's clear that paul actually has choices because Jamis is shown as a guy who is going to be his friend but then in order to go with the fremen he has to kill him and so he does yeah i mean right so it's fucked it's fucked so he had choices and he made a choice and then yeah paul gets let in to the fremen jessica's like no get us off world paul paul becomes a crazy ass white boy literally like jessica's like no get us off world we'll go back to kaladin and we'll do political organization there we can testify about what happened to us we can get witnesses we can launch you know resistance to the emperor and the harkonnens i don't know if that would work but that's jessica's plan but then Paul's like, nah, 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 we're going to join the Fremen. And we're going to bring peace to Arrakis or whatever, right? Right. Which is fucked. And so they do. And then we see a guy riding a worm. And so that, we find out that you can ride worms. Um, I'm really excited. I would love uh, more people to be out playing with a worm in the second movie. There is. Don't worry about it. Let's fucking go. Uh, and then also, there's one specific shot, which I love, which is... Right at the end, they're all walking to Siege Tabor, which is the nearest uh, Fremen settlement. And you've kind of got, like, the setup where Stilgar's walking in the front, Zendaya's walking behind him, and you've got Paul and Jessica walking, and Paul and Jessica uh, kind of share a knowing look, and then Paul looks at Zendaya, and then Zendaya looks away, and Paul kind of smirks, and Jessica kind of stares at him. And, like, you know Jessica's thinking, wow, what the fuck is up with my son? I'm terrified of this guy. But Paul's, Paul's smirk is because I know for a fact he's had prescient visions of them fucking yeah and, and that's like, what he's thinking about he's like let's go crazy as well that's boy. how the movie basically how the movie ends that's how the movie ends is paul smirking about zendaya yep um but yeah this is what's interesting about this sort of the british or uh the atreides which i love is that it's like even if you can be a benevolent ruler and i believe actually that Leto was a benevolent ruler i believe he had the best intentions he wanted to do right by the Fremen and whatever. But, it, but that doesn't mean that he can because he's a fucking imperial ruler. Well, I don't even mean that. It doesn't mean that he can because it renders him vulnerable, right? The fact that he wasn't immediately doing, like, a military dictatorship and getting his, and, like, squeezing them for as much as he could and, uh, like, being absolutely brutal meant that it was easy for the Harkonnens to just get rid of him, right? That's what Kai's meant when she's like, I've seen men like you come and go. The benevolent, there's no such thing as a benevolent imperialist because anyone who tries just dies. At least within the confines of this movie. I don't know about history. History, I don't think there's such thing as benevolent imperialism. No. Um, so, like, it's, it's sci-fi, right? And fantasy. It's more fantasy than sci-fi, really. Um, but, it's from the 877 number keeps calling me, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so it's It's interesting. Um, and it's, it's good. And there are no sway quips. Yeah. Th- there's one, like everyone was like, oh my God, there's only one joke in the whole movie. And it's like a movie with this kind of tone should not have a lot of jokes. I'm sorry. I think like, there are two. I just can't remember what the second one is. There's the one with J- Yeah. There's <laughs> put on some muscle. Did I? Duncan, no. Duncan. Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. I can't it's get good. over that name. It's so yeah, great. It's so good. But I, yeah, I can't think of the second one, but I remember counting two jokes. Yeah. Oh, the second one was um, 
when uh, Gurney Halleck was like, they say that out in Arrakis, you wipe your ass in the sand or whatever. It's like, it yeah. wasn't actually that funny, but that was the point. Uh, no, it's just someone being mean. Well, he was saying it to Leto. It was yeah. like, no, these guys are like boys. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're just like buddies. They're fellows. Uh, so, yeah, like, there was one funny joke in the entire movie. And, of course, it was delivered by Jason Momoa because he fucking rocks. I guarantee you that was improvised. Oh, um, yeah. And so people were like, this is joyless. Which it's not. Are you fucking kidding me? Joyless? A, a movie about imperialism is joyless. How dare they? A movie about extraction, military coups, genocide. There's no quips and jokes? It doesn't make no you way. feel good? No way. Guys, a movie is only good if... Uh, guys, so when 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 Leto gets paralyzed by UA, he's like, so that just happens. And like, when... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna blow you up now. When the Highliner shows up and the Harkonnens start coming out of the sky to take over Arrakis, instead of saying, great God in heaven, Gurney Halleck's like, oh, you got me there. Like, fuck I would, off. I would absolutely love to see, like, a someone remake it someone re like dub it over with marvel ass dialogue i would actually love that that would be really funny or yeah like uh when kynes gets stabbed by the sardaukar and then she like <laughs> whacks her hand yeah. on the ground to get the sound room to come in and instead of being like i only serve one master and then starts doing like religious chants to you know the, the worm if she's just like i hey, am worm, Liet kynes right? Worm, are you there? And then he shows up. He's like, "Oh, there you are." And then yeah, the worm just like, like chills there. Yeah. Or no, just like, "I am Fremen." Yeah, exactly. And then, um, yeah. You, and then like the eyes start glowing, and there's glowy in their hands, and then the worm comes up with the same glowy color, and you know you win fourteen awards for for that scene. Uh, what do you think is gonna happen in the second half? I'm curious. Uh oh, I I think uh. I think the uh, the Harkonnens will be held accountable by the proper... Um, I think Lady Jessica will go back and that the Harkonnens will be held accountable. Uh, there will be a, uh, an equivalent of the January 6th commission uh, doing the important work mm. of holding the Harkonnens accountable and uh, prosecuting their goons. That's yeah. my prediction. Well, what I specifically like about this movie is that it's like very clear that um, they're gonna... There's gonna be a lot more like otherwise because like the cast that they got for the Fremen, like, Javier Bardem and Zendaya for two characters that show up for ten minutes, and yeah. also for uh, the Beast Raban to get Dave Batista for a character who shows up for five. Incredible. I love it. It's amazing. Like, I, I honestly just think that if you're listening to this episode, you should just go and, and watch the movie, even though, you, you know, we're at the end of the episode now, and... Um... We basically spoiled it all. It's still worth... It's just a fun... It's a pretty movie to look at. I think that this movie, as an achievement, like, did it do anything groundbreaking with special effects? No. Like, yeah, it was groundbreaking in the sense that it made a Dune movie that was good and looked look good. But the the thing that was really most impressive about this was Denis Villeneuve's phone call skills. <laughs> like, the fact that he convinced Warner Bros. to let him do this. Yeah, and that he managed... Yeah, the fact that he pulled off getting this movie made... Was like, even, cool. like, a part one. The fact that he managed to get all this casting done, 
right? Like, yeah. it is just really genuinely an impressive feat of negotiation. I just, I, I really like it, and I was, I don't want to say I was hesitant because I heard people talking about it and saying it was boring, but, like, you know, you, you approach any movie with a healthy dose of skepticism, but I really enjoyed it. And very, also, very pretty. I also, I want to add, just before we go, it trusted its audience, right? Like, what? yeah, so the thing that I don't like about the David Lynch Dune is that it's just, the whole movie is it explaining things, right? And so many movies are like this, where they just do exposition after exposition, and it's like, fuck off. This movie, some people are calling confusing, confusing because they're dumb, but you're a smart guy. Were you ever confused during this movie? No. You never asked I mean, me any questions. I mean, I, I was just, I was trying to take it all in, right? Yeah. And I, I think by the end, most of everything, like, uh, obviously in the moment I didn't get the the scene with Timothy Chalamet with his hand, like, Paul with his hand in the in the thing, right? Experiencing all that pain. But now it's like, okay, well, that was a test. Yeah. See if he could do it. It's yeah. Like that, it's, it's that simple. Yeah. Um, this movie is just a movie that trusts its audience to come to conclusions on their own rather than being like oh guys the fremen they really don't like us guys the fremen like they put in false information they put in like racist wikipedia about the fremen and yeah. then they show us something different because they trust us to actually get what the movie is about yeah they they don't say you don't have paul go oh my god they're actually the good guys. Yeah. And by the way, they're not. Like, they're just there. Like, they're... No. There are no good guys and bad guys in this movie, except for Paul's mom, who's uh, a queen. The Bene Gesserit are just cool. I don't care about the Bene Gesserit. I care about Jessica, who is... Uh, should DM me. Um, uh, so, like... Or DM the... If you DM the Juno Beach Twitter, at Juno Beach Pod, J-U-N-O-B-A-C-H, uh, P-O-D, on Twitter... Like well, I'll I'll direct you to the right the right place. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, no one's really the good guys. Like yeah, the Fremen are victimized, but we'll see what happens to them in the next movie. Um, and they trust us to understand that the only people who are good guys are dead, Leto. Uh, yeah. And the guys and the, the bad guys. guys. With... Like the ba- all of the all of the Arrakis the 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 troops are dead, which means the guy who played the bagpipes is also dead, unfortunately. Rest in peace. Yeah. Now, some of the main characters are alive. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. We'll see. You'll see. Um, but, yeah. So, it's, it's you know, we're all good. We're all, we're chilling here. Um, but, yeah, 10 out of 10 film. Go see it. I know we're a bit late on this review, but whatever. Yeah. Go, it's content. It. We'll do something interesting for you later. Exactly. Well, until then, I've been Malcolm. I've been Declan. And this has been your Juno. We'll see you next time. See ya.